Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, now living here in beautiful, sunny Beijing. Today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schur. I am from northeast part of China, but I'm also recording today in Beijing with Jason with a beautiful morning cup of coffee in my hand. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. A college education used to be part of achieving the American dream for, you know, aspirational families. If you wanted to be part of the American dream and you wanted to succeed, going to college was a part of that. Mm. With the student loan crisis crippling graduates, college enrollment in the U.S. is falling faster than any time in recent history. The National Center for Educational Statistics fall enrollments in 2010 were 21 million by 2010. Mm. By 2021, enrollment had fallen 3 million to 18 million, despite the U.S. population growing consistently over the same period. Is it university degree becoming out of reach for less affluent Americans? What do you think, Alex? I think it's a yes. <laughs> I mean, based on based on the stories that I know from people around me when I was studying in the U.S., and I think we've talked about this in great details on our mm. show as well. More people, more young people in the United States are getting aware of the amount of student debt they're going to get themselves mm. into if they're not carefully planning out their financial situations throughout college college and their future occupation. So that has been stressing some young people out. And then part of them have decided to go the alternative routes, either putting college off for a few years or mm-hmm. just not going to college at all. You know, there's so many things I want to say that I don't know where to start. Firstly, the obvious one in the room is 2021. This could be a statistical anomaly because of COVID, right? Yeah. Maybe that was something that it was affecting enrollment and it may not have to do with an overall trend. Maybe it's just due to the fact that, hey, it's not a great time to be stuck inside of a classroom when, you know, yeah. people were dying. Or I physically can't go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people with long COVID as well. So maybe there are other factors that are not easy to understand that are contributing to this. But yes, I agree that I generally do think that people are starting to think of college as optional, you know, whereas, you know, maybe in the 1950s, it was optional. You you could just go straight into business, go to work at the bank mm-hmm. and be totally fine and have a great career at the bank and have the American dream without college. Then sometime in the 70s and 80s, it became everyone needs to to go to college. And so all of these jobs started requiring a college degree. But maybe we're getting back to a point where we're starting to realize, hey, you don't actually need to study Plato to work at the bank. Mm. <laughs> like it doesn't one does not equate to the other. And so a lot of people, you know, and of course you get your big cases like Bill Gates dropped out of college. I was about a Mark mention. Zuckerberg yeah. dropped. Yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All and I, Elon Musk says college is not necessary for engineers at uh, SpaceX. So, OK, wow. Yeah. <laughs> these are, <laughs> do make these are exceptions. I know. But this is like this is like what this is like. Let's even be generous of with the number here this is like 50 people 
amount the entire mm. world population mm. that dropped <laughs> they dropped off mind you they dropped out of uh out of great colleges they dropped out mm. of top universities right it's not, harvard for zuckerberg yeah yeah it's not like they didn't get into it they chose to drop out of it that's yeah. that's the yeah. difference well yeah so i guess well, part of going to harvard isn't actually getting a degree at harvard Part of going to Harvard is proving that you could get in. Exactly. In exactly. Yeah, so that so a lot of that is your entire academic career from when you were like 10 years old, proving that you could carry the weight of like multiple projects while getting straight A's and being a reasonably decent citizen. Yeah. So all of those factors combined are what get you into Yale and Harvard and Stanford. Yeah. And <clears> then for, for me, it's people who are... Um, it, a lot of people look at these stories and they think, oh, I can just drop out and I'll just be as successful. I'm like, no, they dropped out with kind of a plan they already have in mind and they already have the business thinking that'll push them forward in whatever they wanted yeah. to do. So it's not just like I like people. I think people like to look at just a little part of the story mm -hmm. and then take the part that that could be the short term answer for their current uh, difficulties and take that as a key to success. I'm like, well, it's not really how it works. I'm sure some of our listeners are sitting there thinking about their personal stories because we're speaking abstractly and there's probably someone in Colorado who dropped out of state and they're like, yeah, but I opened my own business and now I'm a millionaire. Well, if you've got those kind of stories and you want us to talk about them, we will. So please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and tell us why we're wrong. We'd love to hear it. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, so I do want to talk about the another huge aspect of this whole problem, which we mentioned earlier, debt. Mm. So at the time COVID started, it was $1.7 trillion in debt with some people experiencing 7% interest rates, which is terrible. Yeah. That's like worse than an IMF loan. China's Exim Bank loans money to Ethiopia. It's like 2% to build like a bridge for $1.3 billion. Mm. If you're paying anything above 2%, you are being ripped off. And the US system is clearly not developed mm. to help students get out of debt, but to keep them perpetually in debt. Now, I know a lot of people want to blame the universities for rising prices, and I think that they have the right to do so. And we should put some of the blame on universities having outlandish prices. Yeah. But let's not take the federal government out of the picture. Any interest above like CPI, you know, inflation is basically they're just stealing from these students. These students tried hard, worked hard, got into university, graduated with a university degree, mm. and now are paying interest rates that are not fair. They should be concessionary. You should be rewarded for going to college. I don't know about forgiven for your debt. That's a whole other debate. But mm. you shouldn't be punished for getting a university degree. Oh, definitely. And if this is for, I know we're going to talk about this, if this is for either preparing you for better employment or for just for you to just have the opportunity to make yourself a better person, more educated, more informed, you know, more philosophical and logical, then it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something that's going to put you at a job that you don't like and you have to do for 10 years just so that you can pay back. Oh, I'm sorry. 10 years is too short. Yeah, you're right. To pay back that's your student loans. Sorry. There are, you're right. Yeah. 20, 30 see. years. You graduate with a degree in theater, okay? And, you know, it's really hard to get any kind of amount of money in theater right away. Yeah. You're going to have to just be carrying props and, like, ho hoping someone reads your script and then maybe it, they don't like it and you have to write three more or whatever. And it takes many, many years to actually start getting anywhere. Yeah. But you graduate with a degree in theater. Hey, this uh, car company will hire you to work in their advertisement company for, like, almost nothing. Yeah. So you start grinding and pretty soon you've been there 10, 20 years and you, you haven't done anything with the university degree because because of your student debt. 
that. Yeah. And so in China, for example, I want to use it as a great example. Most people graduate with no debt because college is like less than 10% as expensive. Yeah. And so people just like go and pay for school or their family helps or the government helps and then they graduate and they have no debt. Yeah. Then they can pursue their dreams. They can do anything. And that's why China is becoming a more innovative economy. Yeah. I mean, it's not like where if you want to put things in perspective, because I am I have this dream, Jason, if I mm -hmm. come back next life, I would be oh. I would be a theater actor. I would love to oh. be I would love to be a Broadway actor. Right. But I have so many like friends who studied theater or any artistic major in college in the States that I, I know. And when they graduate, it's like they went to school for something that's that comes from such a beautiful dream, like the one that I have, you know, but they can't go really go into Broadway. Not because Broadway doesn't need people. Broadway needs people all the time, but mm. they have to find a job like a music teacher, whatever, to pay mm. back their loans. And with that in mind, if we look at China, and I'm not saying that every art student here is going to be able to do their dream job. Yeah, but, but they can pursue it. They can try. Yeah, because they don't have the debt on their on their on their back when they graduate. They mm. also go to school for something that comes from a beautiful dream and they have a higher chance if they are good at it. They have a higher chance to go for it. And then they're the all of the theater groups in China are constantly hiring and they just have to go through that process without thinking about, oh my God, if I get the theater job, I won't be able to I'll become like deeper in debt. They're, that's not something they're going to be on their mind. It's a little sad for me because I in my in my mind, America, at least like New York, LA, all these bigger cities where a lot of the art mm. students go to school and the whole cultural scene and art scene is so vibrant and so lively. I really, it's kind of, if you picture a girl, mm -hmm. a boy, whatever, with like a lot of dreams and passion and they go to these big cities and to go to school only to find out that they're going to come out after four years and become the manager at McDonald's. Exactly. Just because I have to pay back my student loans. It's yeah. just a little, you know, it's a little disheartening. So, yeah, I think that was kind of one of that was a contributing factor to my coming to China. Actually, I graduated with a master's degree in history. China's offering incredible pay, like compared to the options that I have in America. Ooh, let's think about that. Yeah. Well, OK, you know, this is trending and it's going to take off. So I think we're at the head of the curve because before the, the pandemic, this was becoming one of the major national issues. And then it just started. Uh, they paused the payments and they pa repaused the payments and they repaused that for three years. Payments have been paused. And so it isn't a giant national issue, but it's supposed to come back on in June where all these mm. 45 million students. I guess it's more now because I'm using a couple of years outdated information because people kept going to college. These 50 million students who owe this two trillion in debt are going to suddenly have to start making payments, which are going to consume huge hunks of their income and affect the economy dramatically. Yeah. So we're going to see this come back very soon in a huge way. And there's already some trim, you know, some underneath rumblings where people are aware. You're listening to The Bridge. So this is an article, three reasons why Americans aren't going to college anymore, March 26th, just recently. Mm. Uh, I want to read a few of the things in here. And this is based on the study by the National Center for Educational Statistics. Number one of the reasons is it's not worth drowning in debt. So 
many young people are looking at the landscape. They're looking at their uncles and aunts who say, I'm, you know, 50 years old and I can't pay off my student loans yet. <laughs> and they're thinking, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So why don't I just go straight to a bank, sell the hell out of myself and get a job or whatever they want to do? Oh, my my uncle has a bachelor's degree and he in philosophy and he is, you know, the assistant manager at the local grocery store. Uh-huh. I think I could get the job at the <laughs> as the assistant manager at the local grocery store without a college degree. I'm not going. So <clears throat> I have an idea for a business. My aunt, you know, she. She has a business. She went to get a degree in business. Uh I could probably open a business without a degree in business by just (laughs) reading books on how to do business. So a lot of people are foregoing being indentured to the government for these student loans and just starting their lives, which I think makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you want to read Plato, just go to the library. I know. That's the thing. Um, There is a very famous... How would you call him? He's, uh, you know, this traditional art form in China called the crosstalk. Uh, one of the yeah. very famous uh, crosstalk artists said, you could you could afford not going to school, but you cannot afford not reading. Mm. And I was mm. like, ooh, I love that. You know, we have that in American culture, too, in Goodwill Hunting. When he gets in the argument at the beginning of the bar, he insults the guy who's attending Harvard by saying that he could have the same education for like $2.20 in late library <laughs> fees. So, yeah, that exists in our culture, too. But our culture comes almost exclusively from movies and TV now. Yeah, especially nowadays with all the YouTube videos that you can find and all of these master classes, mm. you know, especially mm. during COVID. So many people recorded master classes or whatever. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge and information out there that you can access. I wouldn't say that it's the I wouldn't say it's the same type of education or same amount of education, mm-hmm. the same degree mm-hmm. of it that you could get out of a college experience. But at least mm-hmm. if you just want to get information or the skill set, it's it's out there right now. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, I was switching gears to come to work exclusively in like media uh-huh. in the last couple of years. And I just went to Coursera. I'm not we're not being paid by Coursera, by the way. I but went if to they, Coursera. If you want to sponsor us. <laughs> if, yeah, if you want to sponsor us, go ahead. I went to Coursera and I found five certificates from the University of Michigan in media and I took all of them in like I don't know a month or two and then look at you Jason I'm qualified now to do a lot of stuff in media and I understand how to do it so you know you can do this yourself quickly without like a four years five years six years in college you know depending on how many degrees you get and you graduate or you you don't graduate but you get a you get the knowledge that you need to be successful in the field now maybe the people reading your resume don't agree yeah that is where the conversation I think is Um, it does still look like millions of people are going to college so it's not like it's just shutting university off but people some people are beginning to think their way around the problem of debt okay number two why learn when you can earn and i think about this too i know we're talking not talking about personal preference yet but i am Mm. someone who's i guess lucky and privileged enough to have gone through a lot of college education experience I guess I just do love the atmosphere where everybody, uh, yeah. you know, everybody's together. Like you mm. have your class in China, we call it your class in the mm-hmm. States. It's people in your program, your cohort. Oh, yeah. You're you form this kind of com- like, you know, camaraderie with people that you're learning together and you can you know, it's true that you're not earning any money. You're just paying money for four years. But also in that four years, you're kind of just not having to think about anything else. You're really just going in on, I want a good grade. I want to be better at this. Mm. 
and then I love I I love it too. Right? The the campus the exactly. Grass, the playing with kites, sitting around drinking coffee and talking <laughs> with your friends. Yeah, the extracurricular yeah. Uh, curriculum activities as well. I think it's, you're more than a decade younger than me, so maybe it makes <laughs> sense. But in China, people re- men retire at sixty. I don't have that much time left to make sure I have a nest egg. Oh, you the know way what I mean? you make it sound is like very imminent. <laughs> Well, it's not imminent, but I'm thinking, okay, that would be taking a PhD could be half of the time that I have left. That could really make a huge dent in terms of not being prepared for retirement. So for me, thinking about a PhD is thinking about losing roughly half of my you know, immediate income. Mm. So I, I, that doesn't sound very reasonable. Yeah. To me. But- yeah. So maybe if I was in my 20s or 30s, it would still be an option. But at this age, I'm th- increasingly thinking I should use my existing skills to survive. True. I mean, taking a PhD is also usually not a very improvised idea. You know, people usually think about that, at least in China, for certain college majors, something that's more focused or more niche, for example, philosophy we keep talking about. If you're someone who's good at it, your college counselor or your professor will probably already help you map out how you should pursue this whole line of work or line of studies when you're already in college so that you kind of know, okay, after college, I'm going to get master's and going into my, my, my PhD so that you're, because this is so heavily academic, I'm going to need to put a lot of time in it. Same kind of with medical students. You already know what your future is like. So people have that general expectations. So it's not a very risky idea because you already are mentally prepared that this is going to take you like 15 years before you could become someone big in the area or make some <laughs> decent money from that area. But you will be respected and you will be compensated when you're doing your PhD. So you wouldn't be in a, a financially awkward situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually either grants or full ride or stipend yeah. go along with it. But you don't you don't come out on top. You come out even. So yeah. you're still losing the income during that period of time, even though you're not going into greater amounts of debt. And this is, of course, not available for everyone. This is available for only the top scoring students. So it's actually it's it's irrelevant for most of our listeners. I'm <laughs> but number hey, three we may, is, maybe we have very sophisticated. Uh, I'm sure that many of <laughs> many of our listeners are, you know, ahead of the curve and are all capable of getting a PhD. Yeah. Number three. And this is very specific to this article. Mm. Republicans question the value of college. I don't think it's Republicans. I think it's people. Mm. So uh, I'm not a Republican, but I certainly agree that the value of college isn't necessarily always there, depending on your skill set, depending on your drive, depending, you know, a lot of the people that are dropping out of college Mm. usually have parents who went to college. So they grew up in a very educated family and benefited from the education of their family and were able to succeed despite their not having a college education. You know, Elon Musk's mother is notoriously very educated, by the way. Did I, I sent you a picture. Elon Musk's mother went to Wuhan recently. Oh, I saw that. Did I not respond and, to that? I was like... <clears throat> I'm not sure. I just want our listeners to know. And like, <laughs> she went to Walking By Cafe, which I have been promoting on the show, not because they're paying me, because they have the best cappuccino in China. And so she went there too. And I felt like, I knew it. I knew it. That they have very good coffee. Yeah. I had figured that out myself. But. I knew. I knew. I knew when Jason <laughs> sent me that message. I just laughed so hard because I knew this is going to be another proof of what he said to be true, which is that 
at Wuhan best. has, yeah, the best coffee in the world, best cappuccino specifically well, in the world. I don't know world. about the world. I wouldn't put it up against Italy or something. Yeah. But I'm, I'm certainly thinking it's the best in Look, China. look, I am definitely down to go. It's just that I am, I feel like I'm kind of already missing the time, the best time to go to Wuhan because it's going to be very hot there. Oh, yeah. Very soon. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually the joy of Wuhan. You can just walk outside and you lose two kilograms by the time you get back in. <laughs> oh, maybe I should go there for two months then. Wet out all the salt in your body. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> then you can eat really salty food all the time in Wuhan in the summer because and you, be you need it. Oh, need is it. that why? Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Why do you think Rugamian is so salty? Oh, it's so good. Rugamian is so good. <laughs> uh, for those of, for, for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, Wuhan is very famous for it. It's, is it. Is it true that it's a breakfast food? Like people eat They that. eat it all meals. Right? You can have it anytime. It's called yeah. the hot dry noodles. So it's basically kind of, uh, you know, like dry egg noodles or whatever with this very well seasoned sesame paste. Mm. And it's spicy and it has these little pickled uh, string beans in it. So beautiful, 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 it is, tasty, it is amazing delicious. food. It is amazing. Actually, Summer and I, we looked it up, uh, the award winner for Wuhan's. So this is known for being a Wuhan food. So we're in Wuhan and we think, OK, which one is winning the award in Wuhan? We found that one. Mm. So we went to that one and we made a video and we're pretty sure if Wuhan, you know, their restaurant body is awarding this one, the number one. And Wuhan is the number one place for a rug amien. We're probably having the best rug probably in the world it was really good by the logical way. inference <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge Okay, Biden's, this is another article, October 29th, 2022, by Jacob Zinkula and Ayelet Sheffrey. Mm. Biden's student debt relief plans aren't enough to restore the value of a college degree as more young people decide to skip it. Mm. So I think that says it all right there. This yeah. is, you know, when you have one of these like, two sentence long titles. <laughs> it's kind of like, this is basically saying, hey, uh, whatever you decided to do there, <clears throat> little too little too late. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Yeah, so I guess people, yeah, exactly what we already said. A lot of people are thinking about, you know, when there's, a, this is something I, that was described to me and by my college professors in my master's degree. When there is a really good economy, the best students don't apply to go to master's programs. Mm. But when the economy does badly, it's a terrible time to apply to a master's degrees because every single person with the best qualifications ever is suddenly trying to increase the quality of their resume. Yeah. So you have right now in the United States, at least for now, the economy is pretty good. And so what you have are people not interested pursuing higher education because they can just jump straight into the job market and start making money. Yeah. And you know what? I, um, because I did my master's degree in the United States and I did actually, uh, I did two masters. So the second time I was a little older than some of the friends that I was going to school with and they were telling me their stories. On top of what you just described, another problem is because the whole idea of getting a great college degree was so well built and well promoted among people, um, people go, people work really hard to get into a good university. And then after they graduate from the university, it's hard for them to, and I think this is universal for the whole world. It's hard to find a job that is the dream job that you think you're going to be able to get after graduating. 
graduating from a great mm-hmm. university after putting in four years of uh, hard work into it. And then you are going to be kind of stuck in that in that realm of things and not being able to find a way out. And after mm-hmm. a year or so, you're like, you kind of panic and you don't know what to do. And it seems like <laughs> the only viable option is to actually go back to school and get a master's degree so that you could get a you are at a you have a you know a bigger leg up than other people you're a little further ahead than other college graduates mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you come out of your master's but then it's like it's like almost like gambling it's like you can you put mm-hmm. in can you put more chips down so that your reward may be bigger or maybe you lose it all and you get in bigger debt which is um mm-hmm. you know the kind of the mental trick you have to play on yourself and that was some some of my friends did and they have to kind of just come to face with the uh, come to the music when they graduate from the grad school as well. So it's not really a better option. It's just an option that they had to pick at the moment. Mm. Well, I, I've been thinking about this and I've actually thought about it a lot, obviously. And I think that there are two different sides to the the erase student loan debt problem, right? Uh-huh. So one side is if let's erase student loans so that people can pursue their dreams. And the other side of that is, hey, these people took out debt. Why should, you know, the economy have to compensate them? Mm. So I actually I kind of feel both ways. And I, you know, because it's just fairness. And I think this is what should happen. Yeah, honestly. And I think this is fair for everybody. No debt should be erased. And I know a lot of people are going to be really mad at me for saying that. But please hear me out. Mm. The interest should fall to zero. Yeah. Just eliminate interest and make everyone pay back their student loans. That is fair. Now, you took out 50000 and it depreciates. So you're getting a reward. You're actually having some of it paid off incrementally because the economy is growing during the time in which you're paying it back. So you are having some of it forgiven over 20 years because the value of the loans decreases. But to make it fair for the people who didn't take out student loans, you do pay it back. Yeah. You just pay. It just it becomes less valuable and easier to pay back. But charging like five, four, five, six, seven percent interest makes it so they can't. And that's not fair too. Mm. So in order to make it fair for everyone, just no percentage interest rate and then yeah, pay it back. And then eventually it will be paid paid back. A lot of the stories we read are I'm 50 years old. I've been making payments of $1,000 a month for like the last 30 years. And I owe almost the same amount that I started with. That's not fair. Yeah. So just if the interest didn't exist, that 50 year old would be out of debt and that would be fair. Yeah. So to make it fair for everyone, everyone pays it back. But also, why are we charging insane amounts of interest on like, it? Like, why that's, are you? This is education. That's not fair. Yeah, this is yeah. education, but it's operating like a bank. <laughs> exactly. So this is like the worst part of private and the worst part of public combined. And then they're like, oh, we made it fair because it's only a certain percentage is- of it's not fair. And these. OK, so here's the thing about, uh, you know, Biden and Trump and Obama's plan. This is the same plan that's existed for several presidencies. This is not a Democrat problem or a Republican problem. Mm. They keep saying, well, you only have to pay a certain percentage of your income. Mm. Well, OK, if your interest is five or six or seven percent and you only have to pay a certain percent of your interest of your income. Guess what? Your total amount of debt is increasing the entire time. So what started out as 30,000, you know, 10 years later, 20 years later is now 60,000. That's insane. So, yeah, okay, you're paying only 10 percent of your income, but you're paying you you owe more and more and more. And this this crippling debt, which is psychologically affecting you and your family.
family mm. is hanging over these 45 to 50 million hardworking people. And yeah. that's not fair. Just erase the interest and make everyone pay it back. Yeah. I think the biggest problem here, though, is the amount that they're getting mm. charged on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You go to Harvard, you're paying half a million dollars to get. Exactly. It's it's an insane amount of money. Um we because in China, it's the same people who want to get student loans or sorry, people not who are eligible for loans because most people don't. Majority of people don't take out loans to go to college. But if you mm. do have to get assistance or subsidies or, or loans mm-hmm. from the government, you do have to pay back interest as well. But because mm. the the amount uh, that the interest is based on is so considerably small yeah, yeah, compared yeah, yeah. to the uh, students in the United States, as long as you go to a good, like a decent college, one of the hundreds of colleges that are eligible for mm. helping their students apply for loans, as long as you go to those colleges, you will be able to get a job that's going to help you pay that back pretty soon when you graduate. Yeah, within a couple of years. Yeah. And the number, yeah. here's the here's the number, like um, starting from 2021, this is government and stats. If you're an undergraduate, if full-time undergraduate student is allowed to apply for um, 12,000 kwai per year. So that's what? That's like less than $2,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's about like hundred and sorry, thousand and seven, eight hundred dollars per year. That's mm-hmm. your that's your loan. And then after you graduate, so four years altogether, it's going to be a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, like eight thousand bucks tops. And that's yeah. if you don't make anything, you don't you don't do any which is about part time job or a quarter is the average American. Oh, one year. Like this is this is <laughs> like eight thousand bucks is like four <laughs> years of study. And then the first mm. three years after you graduate, you only pay the interest. You don't need to pay back the eight thousand dollars. And then after that, you have like 20 years to pay back and honestly again because for you to be eligible to keep getting the loans is that you have to just meet minimum academic requirement you have to be able to pass your classes and you have to be able to prove that you have been really committed to getting this degree so you do really just get this loan and you as long as you put your full hearts and work into finishing your college degree then Mm. You are you got the help that you need without that being a burden after you finish. I want to throw out some data because I like data. I know. So (laughs) I I think, you know, it's just built into me. You're listening to The Bridge. So this is, uh, according to the same article, Mm. in an ECMC group survey of over 1,000 students conducted earlier this year, Mm -hmm. that's uh, 2022, 51% of Gen Z teenagers said they were even considering a four-year degree. This marked a 20% point drop in May 2020. So I want to go back to the first argument I made about COVID and the pandemic Mm. and say, this is not going to just go away. This is not something that's going to be corrected by 2025, even though the numbers will go up. That's because the population is going up. The total percentage of people considering getting a university degree is most certainly going down. Mm. And I think this might, because the Republican argument typically is universities charge too much for degrees. This is Mm. one of the big problems. 
problems. And I think that if we're looking at how the market and the invisible hand work, they will have to either stop raising their prices or start lowering their prices because the value of that product is not as valuable as it was. Or maybe they will keep charging the same amount and class sizes will just get smaller. Mm. But it's going to definitely affect the bottom line of universities. Another piece of uh, data. Adjusted for inflation in 2020 dollars, the annual price to attend a four-year college was roughly $10,000 in 1980. By 2020, it was nearly $30,000 in that year's dollars. So it's not just that inflation is happening. That's a totally different issue. Mm. It's that the to- actual real PPP value of the, you know, the purchasing power value of the university degree is three times more than it was in 1980. Yeah. A Big Mac is probably about 10% more valuable if you take away CPI. So mm. really, they're just gouging people for university degrees now yeah i mean it's 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 kind of like this whole uh pardoning or whatever for you know eliminating student loans interest this should have come i like said let's say five years ago because that's Mm. when this was a problem like people Mm. are in debt people that have gone to school and they've started they've been in the workforce for 10 years are still living under so much pressure because of the debt now that We've been through this, you know, as a human, as a race together on Earth. We just went through this pandemic. This is not really the key of the problem of why younger kids are not trying to go to school. Like I said, I think it's because, you know, it's getting more expensive and they've seen how they could learn remotely. So why do I have to pay to live on campus? Mm. That's so expensive. And I don't have mom and dad help me cook dinner Mm. all the time. And I can't be with my friends and all that. They didn't learn. You know, a lot of kids who got into college in the beginning of the pandemic didn't really get to know what college was like. And that's you know, it's kind of it's not really a bubble. I wouldn't call it that, but you really do mm. have to live it generation by generation or ear by ear for people to keep talking about, you know, what you can get out of a life on campus. And then I think COVID kind of cut that connection for a lot of younger people. And they're like, oh, if we're just learning, like our our teacher can be accessed on the other other end of the Internet. Why do I have to pay mm-hmm. $20,000 to live on school, mm-hmm. live on campus? Yeah. Well, you know, I I avoided some amount of debt by first going to a junior college. Mm. So I spent and I I didn't even go for two years, which is the ideal amount. I went for three years and I just took every class that I ever wanted to take. Yeah. And then I was able with that GPA and its stuff to transfer to a BA awarding university. Mm. So that's one way people can avoid some amount of their student loans. But it doesn't even matter. The cost of education is so incredibly high. high Yeah. Yeah. That you're you still end up totally in indentured to the U.S. university government system. Yeah. So it's not it's not fair for people who decide to pursue these avenues of becoming educated. Yeah. Um, I want to want read a little bit more statistics. So this is uh, the higher education bubble is finally starting to show signs of deflating. And uh, that means that probably universe, some university will begin to lower their degree costs. So I think that is what some That's a good of the sign. public, some of the, but here's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm, I always compare things to China because I live in China. I'm an American. So I, I think I know what goes on in America and I, I live in China, so I'm learning what goes on in China. Mm. And when I look at the system in China, I'm like, why can't we have that? When when I not everything is always better, but when I see something in China that's better, I think about America and I think, 
Why can't we have that? Mm. And if university degrees are so much more affordable in China, why can't we have it? Yeah. And it confuses me. I don't really know. Like, do universe are universities in China private enterprises? Are they public enterprises? Are they a mixture of both? Because the US, mm. they have both too. Yeah. Like UC Berkeley is a is part of the California state university system. And so it's a little bit cheaper than going to Harvard or whatever, but it's still like really expensive when you compare it to like a state kind of operated university in China. Yeah. So if you want to go to like Tsinghua University, it's extremely affordable. It's also the best university in China. Yeah. So you can go to the Harvard of China and pay five to 10% the cost of going to Berkeley. So oh, that yeah. doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Definitely. I mean, for us, it's oh, the costs I was going to mention. I mean, if we can't, first off, a lot of the universities here are public. Um, mm. The private one, private ones are new and rare. Uh, most mm -hmm. universities are directly related to or associated with the education uh, department of education. So um, there is definitely a lot of uh, government subsidies and um, there's a lot of policies that make sure that the schools could operate and function in a way that serves the ultimate purpose, which is to provide higher education for Chinese, young Chinese people. Mm -hmm. So outside of that, and because of that, actually, I think a lot of costs and everything is just, it's a whole chain. I think it's going to be very tricky and hard to actually being able to explain how the entire higher education functions. But for example, food and boarding on school are extremely mm -hmm. cheap. Like they're so mm -hmm. cheap. Back then when I was in college, I was paying three kwai for a giant bowl of noodles that I still miss today. And I talk noodles. to young kids. I know. <laughs> I talk to young kids that are still in school today. Even till today, it's still like, it's more than double the price, but it's eight kwai. It's eight kwai for a giant bowl of noodles. Wow. Yeah. Let's take a buck, guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's like decent food is cooked on campus. It's not like, you know, um, transported from some of the place and like the so-called canteen at my company right now. Um, <laughs> and then another thing that was, at least it was a shock for me when I was in the States was the amount of money you have to spend on textbooks. When I saw Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I saw some of the textbooks we're using was $300, I was like that is completely insane. I'm like how how does that make sense and that's one textbook for one class. And if mm. you want to get And yeah, you have multiple textbooks for the same class sometimes. And for different classes there's always going to be some expensive ones and you have to like source it, you have to find a way to find a second hand. And if you have getting a master's degree, it's like 10 books per class. And the master degree books are more expensive as well. So I, in China, we're like, I don't even remember paying for textbooks. I think we probably did, but it's probably included in the amount of money that we pay every semester. And it's like a couple hundred koi for like all the books. You're listening to The Bridge. I think we're missing a huge chunk of this. So, okay, we do have a decrease in the total amount of, uh, okay, firstly, let's, let's break this down slowly. I always jump ahead. <laughs> um, Chinese folks are the number one folks getting uh, degrees in the United States from abroad. Mm. And now with the rise in, you know, anti-Asian hate crime and, you know, the McCarthyism that's coming up around China, there's a dramatic drop. Like we're talking... 20 to 30 percent drop in Chinese people interested in pursuing a degree in both the UK and the United States. Mm. 
it's interesting to note that if you look at some of the degrees, they can range from being three times as expensive for an international student to six times as expensive for an international student. Mm. So if we're talking about even just some state school or we're talking about a private school like Harvard, you're talking about the international students are paying for that university's existence. Yeah. They're paying way more. Students like Alex Schur and Bebe <laughs> are paying for your university to exist. Yeah. So we're now creating a political environment where Chinese folks, they're like, I think I can do without being in, you know, this very strangling environment now. I'm going to go to somewhere else to pursue a degree like France or consider maybe even studying in China yeah. instead. And so they're, they're not only trying to deal with the problem of a Americans not necessarily uh, as many Americans not wanting a university degree. Now they're creating a political environment where their number one clients, Chinese folks, don't want a degree in the United States as often. A fewer Chinese want a degree. Yeah. Can you comment on that as a Chinese person who studied in the U.S.? I really, I really think with recent years of let's just call them events. People are definitely a little more hesitant when they are making the decision to study abroad. And then probably contrary to what a lot of people think, they're like, oh, they go to other countries because education in China is it's bad. It's not the truth. That's not, that's not the case. People want the experience because they were able to receive very good education here in China that opens up their mind that if they have the opportunity, if they have uh, the necessary things that they need to be equipped with, they do want to go abroad to have some sort of experience studying in another country. And before, because this whole trend of just everyone, anyone could apply to go abroad to study. It only started, I think, in the past, maybe 30 years. I remember people started leaving China to go abroad to study in like the 1980s. Um, and there became, there was more in the 90s and then in 2000s. It's just it's something that's a lot more common. When it first started, it was mostly it was just the United States and the UK. And a lot of kids are picking the United States because, of course, it has some of the best universities in the world, but also, you know, the master's degrees and some of the other programs in the United States, they mm -hmm. last longer and you want to have a full experience if you do leave your home country to go to a completely different culture. Mm -hmm. Well, so, with Macron having come here, maybe the University of the Sambon yeah, is sounding more appealing Because now. now the thing is, and also because English is taught more commonly here in China, like more kids speak English yeah. than they could speak Spanish, German, Greek, Italian. But again, that is changing mm -hmm. as well. Like people mm -hmm. are getting more knowledge. And then of course, these universities in, in Europe and other countries like, you know, in other parts of Asia are doing more work because they see, like you said, it's a very big market and kids have the desire to go abroad. So there are a lot of programs, for example, in Spain, in Germany, the MBA programs and very well respected universities, institutions in Europe as well offer programs in English. You don't need to, like, it's not necessary. You don't yeah. have to speak the local Heidelberg language. Heidelberg University teaches German students Hindi through English. That, they isn't learn, that wonderful? German <laughs> students learn Hindi and Urdu using textbooks that are English textbooks. I know the professor, so yeah. it's absolutely bizarre. So that option have, the, the options that Chinese kids have, or just young kids have in general in the world to choose where they want to further their study have really become so much more 
there's such a the range became so much bigger than compared with like I think 20 years ago. If kids are not going to the United States, if there are still of there's still some sort of hostility and I know it's not common but if that gets reported and people see it they do have to think whether America mm. is a good well, place to go and again some Can I add some yeah tidbits I want to add some advice here you know yeah. when I was thinking about getting another degree after my first masters I thought about getting a second masters degree mm. and what I was thinking at that time this was uh, 12 13 years ago I was thinking you know what I really should do is throw away the societal values of an MBA from Harvard or whatever is the best MBA. Mm. And I thought, what should I really do? And I thought about the world and how it works. And I thought, you know what the best thing to do would be to go to like the University of Delhi and get a master's yeah. degree in economics. Imagine the career you could build for yourself by taking a, an avenue that other people wouldn't. As an American with an incredible GPA, I could probably get into that program. Yeah. It, it would be incredibly affordable. And then I would be able to turn that into, you know, a cross, a transnational opportunity to develop all kinds of other opportunities. So, I mean, I think for China, for Chinese students, and stop thinking about the prestige of the G7 countries. Forget that. That's old hat. Yeah. It's moving. The world is moving on. Think about BRICS. Think about Pakistan. You know, China and Pakistan, Pakistan is developing this thing called the Chinese-Pakistan Economic Corridor. And it may not seem like it right now, but Pakistan probably has one of will have one of the fastest growing economies over the next 20 mm. years. The reason is because the, all of the infrastructure, the logistics infrastructure to network Pakistan to Southeast Asia, to Central Asia and to the Middle East is being built by Pakistan and China yeah. right now. Now, it may not seem like a brilliant idea. And you may be thinking, Jason, you've lost your mind. <laughs> but going to a degree and like taking a degree in Pakistan as a Chinese person, given the bonds that China and Pakistan already have and given the logistics that's being built, it might actually be really advantageous in the future to have that kind of experience. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get to learn some Urdu along the way. <laughs> that'll come in. <laughs> that'll come in very handy. But I think all we're seeing here is um, even with uh, when I was talking about Europe as well, there are a lot of universities in, in Europe, for example, in Germany that offer you, you, you don't have to pay a lot. Some of them mm, are even mm, mm. free because me and my best friend, Jasmine, when we were in grad school, we we're just looking at our future. And we're like, you know, if we're 40 and we're still, we still like achieve nothing, <laughs> if we still have done nothing with our <laughs> lives, then let's just go to one of these European countries to pick a degree where you could study for well, you, free. You have to set the metrics, Alex, <laughs> for what, what does it mean when you're 42 have not succeeded? You have to, before you get to 40, you have to say, here's the thing. The more success you have, the less successful you feel that that you know what that is success. very true so like i think you need to set your metrics now so that later when you're 40 you oh you know i did do those things yeah i think it's just going to depend whether we want to go live in germany for two years for free <laughs> at that point of our <laughs> life i would love to live in germany germany is apparently really clean and apparently like, the like, cost of living is really is a lot lower than what we think yeah and they speak english french german you know and they they do a lot of business here in china so even oh, though yeah. some individuals are like very publicly like crazy about china the majority of business people in China, in Germany are like, we need to increase business with China. <laughs> <laughs> that was your German accent. That was the best. Yeah. Sorry, German people. I, I very much apologize to your people, your culture, your way of life and your accent. Yeah, just a, okay. yeah. You're listening to The Bridge.
And, you know, it's good when we can agree on something. Yeah. So heading number three, <laughs> businessinsider.com. Democrats, comma, Republicans, comma, and companies all seem to agree. College degrees aren't the future. Now, I think that there is an argument for this and an argument against yeah, this. I really sure. think this boils down to fewer Americans need to get uh, college degrees. It doesn't mean we don't need it. What we really need, and this is something we should have said earlier, are more people in STEM. I mean, American America does not produce enough STEM majors mm. because I think it's our K through 12 system doesn't prepare them well for that. Mm. And so our STEM degrees are filled by international students, which is healthy in a way because it creates people to people exchanges with other countries. For sure. But it's not healthy for Americans because they are not able to fill the most lucrative business, the most lucrative jobs. If you study science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, your career is probably going to be a good one. Yeah. So people who are listening to this, who have kids who are 10, that's what you should be encouraging your children to do. Yeah. If you're already from a rich family, history and philosophy and all that, that's great. Literature, French literature, great. But if you, hey, you're coming from a blue collar family, you really should be studying STEM. And America needs STEM majors. Those are the kinds of degrees that are earning degrees that are going to help your family earn, really. I'm sorry, but a degree <laughs> in English literature is not an earning <laughs> degree. <laughs> I remember seeing this joke saying how like people who choose to study English literature is like building a Ponzi scheme of student <laughs> loans because after you graduate from a um, English literature major with the student loans you have, like you have to be able to find a job immediately and then you go to teach English <laughs> literature. <laughs> and if you want to be able to pay back your loans, you have to be very good at your job and then you're going to ignite the passion of your students to keep studying English literature <laughs> and then they're going to follow the same footsteps. I, I, I have no problem for someone who's already, okay, here's the thing. Most people who have this is the real issue. I think this we got to boil it back to what is good for America. I mean, that's what we're talking about really here. Yeah. Most middle class people who are surviving in a shrinking middle class in the United States, mm. most of them have university degrees. Yeah. Okay, but they're also precariously in a position where you know, we're talking about these 45, 50 million Americans who can't pay their student loans off. Mm. When the student, okay, most economists, let's back up. Most economists predict there's going to be a massive recession in H2. This was before the de-dollarization, now transitioning to the multipolarity of currencies because many other currencies are starting to be used. The US dollar specifically and the economy looks like it's going to take a big hit in H2 or maybe H1 of next year. I'm not making these predictions. Yeah. I'm just reading them. So I'm not I'm not saying that this is my idea or anything, but you know, read Goldman Sachs reports and you're going to okay, the there's a big recession probably on it on the way. Okay, in June or maybe really soon thereafter, all these student loans are going to come due. Mm. For the entire middle class, the majority of the middle class who are degree holding university debt holders. So we're going to see a recession at the same time that student loans hit, which is going to compound the difficulties of the recession. Mm. So the United States is going to take a massive hit. I don't know what the effect of that is. I'm not an economist, yeah. but we need to start thinking about how we prepare for the future as Americans. And I think that means we should, if you, you come from a family that is not already wealthy to some degree, if you're considering going to university, you really should be considering taking a degree 
that has earning potential for your own sake. <laughs> also, now maybe the United States needs more philosophy majors and history majors for the United States, but you, listener, who, you know, from a blue collar family, you need a degree in math. Also, just to just to make it a little bit more fun than just making money when you graduate, you know, thinking about <laughs> getting a monthly salary and how I can calculate that. There are so many f- mm. more fun jobs you're probably not thinking about when you hear, oh, a STEM major student, you're thinking engineer, architect, and all of these, you know, boring mm-hmm. jobs or whatever. I can only be a coder. <laughs> the thing is, there are so many different programs that kind of gives you a preview of what you can do when you do go into STEM. For example, you could be a robot builder. You could be, you know, you could go on a team, go into a team and start building robots and, and do these things. And if you want to be, for example, all the good days and fun days at Disneyland, Universal, mm. all of those rides, all of those designs, all of those mm. lights, how they go on, how they change, how they could give you the best visual experience that all take STEM skills. Mm. So you get to want to build a Millennium Falcon replica. Think about Disney? it. Think about yeah, it. How fun <laughs> is that going to be? So think about yeah, that possibility. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a, you're making the idea fun. I think America is in, in for a... Uh, a challenging year. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everything is going to work out wonderful. It's going to be butterflies and rainbows and blue skies. <laughs> but, you know, most economists think not. Yeah. So prepare to insulate yourself from this, these challenges ahead of time. I mean, obviously, we can't plan for, you know, if you're a senior right now and you have a degree in history, sorry, you should be shaking in your boots. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I managed and I, that's what I studied. Hey, by the way, what was your BA in Alex? My BA was in English translation and interpreting. Uh, that's very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, look, I don't, I didn't, I chose it. And then when I was in senior year, I was like, there's no way I'm going to make this my you profession. Wouldn't this pro- you wouldn't be on this program if your English wasn't incredible. So <laughs> well, thank you. Exactly. Got you, got you here. So yeah. it kind of gives me, it kind of gives me a very good foundation so that I always have this, at least I have this skill, you know, whatever I do, I know that if nothing works, then I can always come back and do some translation job or teaching. English, I'll be okay. At least I'll be able to feed myself. But it also really opened my mind to a different way of thinking and a different culture. And that's Mm. also part of the reason why I ended up here speaking to Jason every week. I want to just read a couple more things. And I'm not trying to dissuade people from going to university. I think it's a worthwhile endeavor if you do it right. And I think maybe even studying abroad, come to China. No, actually, I didn't didn't think about it right now. You'll meet us. Think about it. (laughs) Well, yeah, you could meet us. Absolutely. Sure. Come here. I'll I'll, I'll have coffee with you. But come study in China. You're going to pay way less. And China is the fastest growing major economy in the world. It wouldn't be bad to learn to speak Mandarin Chinese and study in China and have, uh, you know, a a foot in both countries, especially if you're from the United States. You have a foot in the United States and China, the two largest economies in the entire world. They are also each other's number one trading partner. Coming and studying in China is actually a remarkably advanced idea. You should do that. Be the tip of the spear and come over here and study here in Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, or, you know, a number of other cities as well. Mm. Get an experience in China that could make you transnational. Yeah, do that. I mean, it's uh, it's what we have been doing for the past 20 years. Maybe <laughs> it's time for us to have a little bit more exchange, let's say. Yeah, we need these people to people exchanges to ensure that our two peoples get along. And that's exactly what this program is about. Building bridges. Precisely. Thank you for your time, Alex. Talk to you next time. Thank you, Jason. See you, everybody. 